Welcome to another Dragonlance Saga <laughs> review episode. It is Bakukul Dark Ember the 18th. My name is Adam, and today I'm going to review this little thing here. The D&D Player's Handbook. How do you know it's a Dungeons & Dragons Player's Handbook from 5th edition? It's got the little, uh... What is that, apostrophe on the S? Like, that's, uh... That's the only difference between the original Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Player's Handbook. They, uh... They eschewed... The apostrophe. They're like, no, we can't. We can't do the apostrophe. The apostrophe is a bridge too far. We don't believe in it. We're gonna. We're gonna leave it out. In modern times, we come back in. We're like, we have to be grammatically correct. I'm throwing it in there, in your face, and you're gonna love it. Love the apostrophe. All right. Hey, Solid Company, how you doing, Chris? What up? Uh, I'm doing well. I am sipping a um, a pretty good Merlot. Just got off work, just started it, and I'm digging it. Okay, so again, I'm going to be reviewing this. I did not write a pre-recorded review like I traditionally do for uh, my reviews. This is very much going to be off the cuff. Just sort of what I liked, what I didn't like, questions, concerns, thoughts, quandaries, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I don't suspect this is going to go very long, but I had some time on a Friday, and I thought, why not? You know, I finished reading the book, and uh, yeah. I mean, the truth is, is, I am going to be running a campaign in 5th edition very soon, actually, you know, in a matter of weeks. And so understanding the rules is is kind of imperative for DMing a game. Um, you know, started the Dungeon Master's Guide already. Uh, and so, you know, I just wanted to uh, give you my thoughts. Because, again, I'm an advanced Dungeons & Dragons sort of sensibility player. Meaning, I cut my teeth on old school D&D the red box i uh started playing advanced dungeons and dragons transitioned into <laughs> yeah i transitioned into second edition dungeons and dragons and then i uh, went over to saga when dragonlance switched to saga i played third edition for a little bit uh, i played fourth edition just for a little bit but i still played it and then uh, fifth edition i have had two games under my belt as a player and then i stopped because i just didn't really I had other things going on in my life. I didn't really have time to get into a whole new gaming system or whatever. Anyway, time has opened up. Now I'm doing this channel for, you know, over a year since last March. And uh, I'm going to be running a campaign here in 5th edition. And I got to be honest, I'm a little bit concerned. <laughs> Not with anything other than my abilities. You know, if I'm going to be 100% honest. I'm a little concerned that I'm not going to be up to par. Because what I'm seeing in, <laughs> in uh, Dragonlance with this modern uh, Dungeons & Dragons exploration, it is a sort of a mirror of the original Dragonlance with Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. So, you know, if we can just travel back in time to when Advanced Dungeons & Dragons was meeting its shelf life, Gary Gygax was moving on to other projects. He wasn't always there. You know, he, uh, Gary Gygax thought he was 100% finished with Dungeons & Dragons after... Um, uh, Unearthed Arcana. Like, that was D&D according to Gygax. He, he didn't see any reason to revise it or anything. But other people at TSR did. They wanted to uh, add extra options. They wanted to simplify some options. They wanted to sort of expand on the AD&D that existed that Gygax was happy with. And that's what Second Edition ultimately came to once they sort of, you know, X'd Gygax out of the picture. 
Um, and so second edition isn't a huge change from first edition, but it is a noticeable change. And what we saw was the coming of that change, meaning AD&D 1.5. And so that scene with Dragonlance Adventures, Unearthed Arcana, Wilderness Survival Guide, Dungeoneer Survival Guide, are the in Oriental Adventures. Those are the main books that defined Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 1.5 which added non-weapon proficiencies, which added Thacko, which led into second edition. Now, fifth edition has been out since 2014, and we're at the end of a life cycle. And once again, we're seeing Dragonlance added at the end of a life cycle of a version of Dungeons and & Dragons. And I know that 1D&D is supposed to be backwards compatible, and the rules probably are not going to change that much, very much like AD&D to second edition AD&D. Um... But it's weird that Dragonlance always comes in at the tail end of an edition rather than at the forefront of an edition. It's an established campaign world. It's full with uh, complex political, uh, military, cultural, racial uh, lifestyles and cultures. I mean, it is ripe for just an opening world to begin with. But no. If it's not TSR sidelining it, it's Wizards of the Coast sidelining it. So we're finally getting it at the end. So some of the information in uh, Dragonlance uh, is probably going to lead into one D&D. You know, some of the options and some of the, the variations on rules that may or may not happen. And I do want to give a little shout out to Wizards of the Coast. What the hell? <laughs> like... This is a channel devoted to Dragonlance. I've seen like I've seen two other channels like showcasing their Dragonlance books that Wizards of the Coast sent them, and even the board game that they just sent them to say, "Hey, review these on your show." I have more subscribers than those channels do. What the f, yo? <laughs> like, okay, like I see you. I see your game. You don't like the cut of my jib? Okay, I can respect that. <laughs> Feelings are being hurt. <laughs> all right so uh jason thanks for joining live how you doing uh what's up william good to see you man okay you've been you haven't played since early 90s trying to get back into it this is probably not the review for you um now let me get into this because ultimately once i like sat down and read through the rules i was pleasantly surprised at how simple the rules are um you know, comparing this to AD&D, it is literally night and day, though you do see uh, a lineage, a sort of, of a heritage of growth between AD&D all the way to 5th edition, where we are right now. Um, and it's an interesting... Uh, hey, Arrakis, thanks for joining live. It's an interesting progression of game rules. You know, we, we got to supreme complexity and uh, rules crunchiness with 3rd edition, we tapered off, took a left step with 4th edition, tried to go the MMO route, and then went back and sort of took 3rd edition, distilled it down to the essence of what it was, moving it back to 2nd edition, simplified that, added in a couple of notes from 4th edition, and then we have 5th edition. It's very reminiscent. It's like if you uh, had an, uh, a brother or a sister and they had a kid, you can see a little bit of resemblance in that kid of your brother or sister, right? It's in the family. It's in the genes. That's what 5th edition is. It's in the family. It's in the genes. It's just 
Well, it's a lot like modern times. It's um, everything's superhero. You know, this is like Marvel MCU version of uh, that's redundant. MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, the Marvel version of D&D. Everyone is superhero. Everyone can heal themselves. Like, <laughs> I'll get into all that in a second. What I really, really enjoyed about uh, reading this was that though it's never actually paid attention to by any players I've ever seen in any game I've watched online about 5th edition, it talks about how rare certain races are supposed to be, how other human beings are supposed to react, or worlds are supposed to react to these really rare species or classes. It's never played like that, though. And so, though the Player's Handbook does actually say, you know, these should be exceptions, not the rule, if they are played, people should react thus, you just never see it, because everyone wants to be the exotic new, you know, version in the room. And that's fine, you know, you want to play what you want to play, but it sort of defeats the purpose of it being the exotic thing. And what Advanced Dungeons & Dragons did really well, and uh, arguably foolishly, because the designers, uh, Gygax primarily, didn't think anyone would ever want to play anything other than a human hero, <laughs> which is why he added such uh, restrictions on other races, but what that did, I know people complain about it nowadays, but what that did was balance the, the sort of Dungeons & Dragons universe. So if you were playing an elf, you knew that you had a level cap that you couldn't get beyond. You could multi-class, but you couldn't get past that level cap. If you played a human, you could dual class, which is different, but you could go to whatever level you wanted. And all of this is to incentivize players to focus on intention of game design rather than exploiting game design. And what I see in Player's Handbook for 5th edition is exploitation of game design rather than actually playing the game design. Because the game design says things should be rare and, you know, exceptional, and actual play is anything but that. So it is a little bit strange um, to see it uh, develop that way, so far from the original intent of Dungeons & Dragons. But there are some things that I really appreciate about it. It doesn't focus very much on role-playing. It doesn't focus very heavily on um, uh, meaningful moments in a character's development, which I found hollow. But it does give you some really great options that you can sort of try out and play. That doesn't mean it's special options because everyone has really cool options. So there's zero balancing. Literally, there's no reason to play a cleric if you can just play a fighter and then heal yourself at a short rest. Like, why is there a cleric in the game? There's no reason to play a fighter if you can just play a wizard and be as powerful the entire time as you want. Like, the whole reason there's different classes is to balance the party out. And you see this in MMOs, which stole their original game designs from Dungeons & Dragons. The reason a fighter exists is to take the hits to protect the people behind him, i.e. the wizard, so that the wizard could then rain lightning bolts and fireballs down on the monsters. The reason why rogues existed was so they could get behind the enemy, flank them, and stab them in the back and kill them quicker. Or, or scale walls and open uh, locks and find secret doors. You know, 
There was a reason for different classes, whether it's a support, striker, ranged attacker, uh, tank, that existed. In 5th edition, that doesn't exist anymore. You can just do whatever you want at any time, and it doesn't matter. You don't even have to memorize spells. They say you have to prepare a number of spells, but what the fuck does that... Sorry, what the hell does that mean? It doesn't matter. You just choose whatever spells you want to use, and you use them if you have the slots. And if no one's paying attention, who cares? Because you have cantrips you can use all the time, no matter what. So, <laughs> it's literally a video game. It's like 4th edition without the crazy detail that 4th edition had. That's 5th edition. It's very, very frustrating coming to this version from where I come from. So, you know, th there was a reason why you needed a balanced party. Now, there's no reason to have a balanced party. You could have a party of wizards and you could heal yourself and strike people and mess them up all you want. Like, <laughs> the... Yeah, I know, Jason. <laughs> Potty mouth. I try to keep it PG-13, but I, I fail sometimes. Especially on the live shows, I fail. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons wasn't just an escape. Yes, it was that. But it was also a tactical game. You had to think. You had to consider. You had to evaluate maneuvers and, and situations. In 5th edition, without the need of a balanced party... You can throw all those tactics out the window and just charge down. Um, what is that meme? That that World of Warcraft meme? The, the Leonard or I can't remember what it was. But they just charge right into the 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 big bad guy. The <laughs> it's been so long since I played MMOs. I don't even remember the, the language. Um, it doesn't even matter. Like you just charge in and attack. And, uh, you know, let the chips fall where they may, and then you can just heal yourself afterward. If you die, just make a death saving throw. You fail the first one, make another one. You fail the second one, make another one. It's a totally different world of a game. The consequences are completely stripped away. The need for balance of a party is completely stripped away. And it's all focused on the individual being their best, living their best self, hashtag live your truth. Which speaks to our current culture. And whether you like that or not is going to tell you whether or not you're going to like the design decisions made in this version of the game. And I don't want to go down that direction but you can't help but see that progression if you've played all different versions of this game and see where it's headed, where we are right now, the decisions that the people who make this game have made, and where it's going in the future. You can't help but bring stuff like that up. So I did really like the simplicity of the game design. I mean, I played XD20, which is literally zero rules. I played Sagan Edition, which is a very stripped-down, role-playing-centric role-playing game. Um, and so, yes, I'm going to play this and I'm going to probably have a great time, not because of the rule system, but because of the people and the setting that I'm going to be playing it in. What's interesting about, um, I think fifth edition in the rule set is the advantages and disadvantages that never existed before, at least not to my memory. Anyway, there's versions of it. Like you'd get bonuses and stuff in certain circumstances. But the idea of having advantage or having disadvantage, rolling two 20s and taking either the higher or the lower, that's a cool little construct that adds an added element of suspense, mystery, and what if to an otherwise very bland, I know the outcome of this game. Um, and it's necessary. And I think that's probably why they added it 
to the game. I like the idea of inspiration, rewarding players for doing a good job either with a given situation or with role-playing or with interacting with the other players. Just the idea of rewarding players in a tangible way that does not put them above and beyond the players who maybe didn't do such a great job. Um, inspiration is a great way of, of providing that. And ostensibly all it does is give you a moment of advantage that you get to choose as a player. I thought that was really great. Um, the, uh, uh, what else did I like about this? I actually, I, I, there's not a lot more that I really like about the, the system. I just, I like that it's simple. I like that there's ways of rewarding players for actually sticking to their characters or helping out the party or just role-playing to help the story along. Um, and other than that, it's just, you know, it's, it's just superhero D&D. What I really don't like is that you don't need a balanced party anymore. That bothers me. Like, just, it, it's just, there's, what's the point of having different classes? Why not just have one class, which it seems like what they're moving to. You just have, you choose your race, you choose your class, which is meaningless. You choose your powers, which is shared amongst all classes. And you choose your bonuses and negatives. And you can do whatever you want. Well, why is there a game then? Why isn't that just superhero? That, that's just a Marvel game, which they actually have and have had. So there's no reason to play this version of the game if you're just going to say I'm number one and I can do everything. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Um, I did like that there's an appendix at the very end for inspirational reading lists. I, I don't know if you guys know this about me. I enjoy reading. I think it's a wonderful way of improving your cognitive abilities, developing your brain, your vocabulary, and expanding your imagination. I think it's a wonderful pastime. And so I do really like that they added a bunch of, you know, books uh, for players to help get into the idea of fantasy, getting the idea of role-playing, getting the idea of different worlds and stuff. That's really cool. Um, I had a real problem with the Draconians and Dragonborn thing. You know, I, I sort of mimicked that with, you know, I just sort of uh, played with the idea of it um, live when I was reading the basic rules. But when I was actually reading the book, it really struck me as strange that they would do something so so against a D&D world, you know? I mean, like, it's their IP, and then they're going to completely strip away and change something so integral to one species. I thought that was very strange. And what I found after reading through the player's handbook is that they actually lean on Dragonlance a lot. They lean on Dragonlance as much in their examples as they do Forgotten Realms. And so if you're just coming into this for the first time, and reading it for the very first time to learn Dungeons and Dragons, you don't know anything about other campaign worlds or anything. You would think that Dragonlance is a major supported world equal to Forgotten Realms. But the truth is, we don't have anything on Dragonlance yet. It's coming in a few days for digital and a few weeks for physical. Like, they're stealing the brand equity of an IP that they don't even support and haven't supported since Saga System. How insane is that? Like, they reached out to Margot Weiss and Productions and, you know, Sovereign Press before and said, hey, if you guys want to do all of the heavy lifting, you can make a Dragonlance campaign setting for third edition 
We'll print it, but we're not going to bother developing it. And so they did. They printed the, the Dragonlance campaign setting book. And then Margaret Weiss, with the uh, uh, licensing, did everything else on her own. You know, of course, she has a team behind her, but, you know, the company. So, like, they don't even give a damn about Dragonlance until now. And yet, since 2014, they've been leaning on the equity that Dragonlance has for all of Dungeons & Dragons fans. It's a bunch of garbage. It's a bunch of total garbage that they would do that. And it really, it just made me more and more angry that, that they're, they're going to use so many examples of Dragonlance and then not support it, not give any products out until the end of the life cycle of the edition that we're talking about. Insane. I just, I couldn't believe it. Just absolutely bananas. DC Marvel crossover. Yeah, just do D&D. That's all you need. <laughs> You can do it. I'm serious. Um, off talk a bit. Sorry for interrupting. Uh, can you play as the canon heroes of the Kryn like Tasselop, Raceland? Sorry, you just joined this chat. I uh, just wanted to ask. Hey, Amber, thanks for doing live. You can try, but the mechanics are wildly different. First of all, it does say in the player's handbook that magic takes a toll on the user. But that's never role-played. No one ever does that. You know, Raceland, that's what they did with Raceland as a character. Magic is supposed to take a huge toll on you, and so he's always exhausted after he uses it, and he, you know, he's coughing up a storm because of the results of his test and stuff like that. Nowadays, you know, that's a pure role-playing choice. There's no, there's no reason behind it. And also, you know, the book's not out, but from what I understand, there's no benefit to Phases of the Moon. And in fact, the, the moons don't really even exist in the construct that we understand them. You know, lunar sorcerers, and sorcerers are wildly different than wizards. Um, they, they, sorcerers supposedly make a pact with some sort of other entity, and that's where they get all their magic from, uh, which as a construct I think is really cool, but as a Dragonlance construct doesn't make any sense at all. Like, you can make the argument that, yeah, all Wizards of High Sorcery and Dragonlance are actually sorcerers who get their power from the gods, so they would kind of be like sorcerers. Yes, except the mechanics of the wizard is different than the mechanics of a sorcerer. Meaning, you have a spell book, you have to find new spells, you have to scribe new spells, you have to trade information with each other. You know, there's certain uh, uh, um, uh, domains that you have access to because of your uh, order, and there's certain domains that you don't have access to because of your orders. Like, there's, there's a lot of parts that are integral to Dragonlance that don't exist in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. So you'd have to homebrew all that. So you could if you want to homebrew, or you could if you want to do different versions, but you could not just port over those characters. Because all Raceland would have to do is instead of getting Karaman to get him his tea, is just sit down and burn some hit dice and heal himself. That's it. That's literally how you heal yourself in this game. Like, it blows my mind. All you got to do is sit there and just wish really hard to be healed, and all your wounds just heal right up. That's it. So stupid. It's just, it's, it's, um, it's giving up is what it is. It's giving up on actually playing the game. It's saying, I want to play a, a video game version of D&D, but I don't actually want to put any effort, and I don't really want to have any danger, so let's play 5th edition. That's what I got. <laughs> That's not to say that it can't be fun. 
That's not to say that people don't enjoy it because clearly this is the most popular edition of the game that has ever existed full stop. Whether that's because of celebrities or popularity from internet culture, or whether that's because people actually like the game mechanics itself, I'm not sure. But the fact is, is it's done gangbusters since its inception of, you know, in 2014 until now. However, sales are flagging. It's going down. And I think that's why they're changing editions again into 5.5, you know, the one D&D version. Like they, that's just what the company always does. So ultimately my review of this is if I'm just on its own merits as a game system, ignore the classes, ignore the races, ignore all that. Just as a game mechanic system, um, I'm going to give it three plates of Odic Spice Potatoes out of five plates of Odic Spice Potatoes. It has very good elements in it. It has uh, uh, ways of rewarding good players and uh, punishing bad players ultimately with disadvantages. Um, but it's not particularly difficult sounding. Not mechanics wise, but playing the game. It sounds very, very easy and very safe. Like the, the threat of death is so minimal that I can't imagine any encounter being dangerous. Like you would have to throw everything in the kitchen sink at a group of players who know their characters well in order to really hurt them. And that's not the role of the DM. And that's not what I'm saying is the role. I'm just trying to compare the, the, the reality of the game is supposed to have challenge and that challenge is death. If you don't succeed, you fail and failure means death, meaning reroll a new character. That mechanic is gone. So now the failure is getting knocked unconscious and doing some death saves until someone bandages you up. And that's it. And that's, that's not scary. Like, I don't know. It's not, <laughs> it's not very exciting to me. Um, I am looking forward to playing the adventure though. I will say that. You know, ultimately you, you can't look at Advanced Dungeons, I'm sorry, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition without looking at popular culture because they, they literally are one and the same at this point. So much so that, that, that uh, they literally make you uh, the people who maybe not even play the game, but the culture surrounding it will find reasons to be offended by elements of it and then force the company to redact those elements of the game. And that has famously come out recently with one of the spell Spelljammer um, species, which is hilarious and ridiculous and so abs just absurd that I can't imagine that they ever made a Dragonlance campaign if that's the sensibilities of the corporation. Because let's look at Dragonlance for a second. Zero gods on opening. There's no healing at all. It takes one hit point per day of rest of healing for you to heal anything. Like that's Dragonlance as released. Zero gods, zero healing. So you could go adventuring, but you had to think about what you were gonna encounter because you didn't know if you're gonna survive. You didn't know how you're gonna heal afterward. One goblin attack could be really problematic. 
And so as soon as they unlock the gods, what do we find? Other than a disease in war-torn world, massive racism between races wouldn't fly today. And then what is the, the dragon army doing? They're enslaving people and taking them down to Pax Tharkaz. Slavery? We can't have that in a fictional universe, even though it exists in our life right now, worldwide. But rather than deal with the actual problem of slavery, let's just focus on the fictional worlds of slavery and pretend that they don't really exist. But they don't! It doesn't exist! It's fantasy! It's not real. Why don't you put your, if you're so pissed off about slavery in a fantasy world, why don't you put that energy into the real world where slavery actually exists? Economic slavery is the number one form of slavery. People go on foreign jobs with uh, corporations around the world and they suddenly are not let off the boat until the corporation decides to let them off the boat. Now, I know everyone thinks like sex slaves is like the big, no, it's economic slavery is the number one version of slavery worldwide, even in America, and it's going on right now. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the fictional Spelljammer universe and those slaves we can't have. Oh my, you know, let me clutch my pearls, my delicate sensibilities. So there's no way the Dragonlance should be made nowadays with that type of mentality. And yet they're doing it. I don't understand. I'm expecting a re redacted and revised version of the Dragonlance uh, campaign book to be released. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Um, you're right, Arrakis. Absolutely. There's totally injusticism. Um, but that's real. That stuff is happening for real. And yet it's the fantasy stuff that's getting the attention. That doesn't make any sense. It's not real, it's fantasy. <laughs> so, um, why they're, they're creating a, a, a racist, slavery-promoting, um, uh, uh, godless world like Kryn, I will never know. But it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. I don't know where they're going to go with it. Like, it seems, it seems, honestly, like this is going to end up being a total travesty and a joke in like three months <laughs> because of, you know, potential redactions and stuff. Or they just avoid the, the whole aspect of this slavery. Like, well, we don't want to talk about Pax Arcas because, you know, slaves. Slavery has been a part of our human existence from the beginning of civilization. I don't agree with it. I think it's wrong, but it exists and persists to today. And not just that. Here's the thing that really bothers me. They're going to go up in arms about a made-up species and made-up species slavery. And yet they're okay with hacking and murdering people in the game. No, murder is fine. <laughs> That's totally good. But let's put this slavery, uh, you know, let's, let's put that on the shelf. Let's not talk about that. What? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just so, like, rando. Like, you're either in a fantasy world or you're in reality. They are two separate things. If you don't want to play a game with slavery in it, don't play the game. You don't have to play the game. <laughs> and yet, instead of just avoiding what they don't like, the culture is forcing the corporation to change it. And why? 
So that person feels good and righteous and has a really nice shiny good guy badge on their chest. It's ridiculous. You don't cater to the lowest common denominator. You cater to the widest market. And the truth is, is your widest market, Wizards of the Coast, is shrinking because of the decisions that you're making. I mean, you can, you can argue it and you can rail against it, but that's just the economic truth shown by your own sales figures. It's very strange. Uh, hey, Brian. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, so ultimately, that's why I don't really like 5th edition that much. Like, I'm going to have fun playing it because I'm going to play it. I keep saying that over and over again because part of it is me convincing myself. Um, but after the Dragonlands campaign, there's no reason to play it anymore because I don't, I don't like the idea of not being challenged. I don't like the idea of just being able to whisk away any problem with any type of magic spell that you can just instantly cast no matter what without any attempt at balancing anything. And maybe I'm way off because I've just read the player's handbook and I haven't read any of the other books. Maybe they added infinite balancing uh, with everything else. And ultimately, yes, it is up to the DM. But there is an expectation from players upon reading the player's handbook that you can literally just do whatever you want. You know, there's no consequences. There's no, there's no repercussions for choosing one thing over another. There's no benefit from choosing one thing over another. It's just different flavors of superhero. All right. Awesome. Play your game. <laughs> That's it. That's my review. <laughs> Went heavy into slavery, took a left turn at murder, and straight down the road at superheroes. <laughs> so funny. All right. What are you guys saying? Uh, unless they release more adventures for Dragonlance, it's pretty much all homebrew anyway. As a DM, I'll make a lot of uh, modifications to characters to make it more like it was in, this, uh, in the established lore. Yeah, Sinister, that is a total option. And I would recommend that everyone customize everything they play because ultimately, even with 5th edition, if you like the system, maybe there's parts of it you don't like, maybe there's parts you do like, just don't play those parts. Don't, don't include the parts you don't like. Make sure that all of your players at your table are okay with it. But yeah, customize everything. That's the only option in life. And that's the benefit of playing a game. What's crazy to me is that there's a culture that is refusing to let that be an option. <laughs> They're saying, no, you cannot even support it. You cannot even give it as an option. So, all right. Weird. Crazy. The DM has always had the power to reward players for exceptional role-playing. Uh, that's the strange thing called imagination comes in. You're right, Nurgle's left tentacle. <laughs> Such a great name. Um, of course, of course you can always do that. But it's baked into this system, which is why I liked it. Previous editions, as far as my understanding goes, and certainly the groups I've played with, it was not a part of it. You know, you would just, there was never a baked in system to allow for rewarding players. You could do it, of course, and yes, we did, but now it's baked in, and I thought that was a cool little ad. Uh, you played some games where things are actually very lethal, but that depends on the adventure. Some can be downright brutal, but not as much as any of the old games. Um, thanks for joining Life Savage. Uh, Hey, Benjamin, thanks for doing live. Yeah, I, uh, I, of course, you know, and, and ultimately any complaint that I may voice, if anyone's lasting as long as this video at this point, um, any complaint that I might voice is just reactionary. And the truth is, is I'll speak with my players and say, this is where I want to go with this. 
and these are the options that I want to get rid of. These are the options that I want to play. If you're okay with that, well, then let's move forward and have a great game. If you're not okay with that, well, then maybe we should probably just go separate ways and find different groups. And that's ultimately always an option. The, what's important is always making sure that you're clear with your players at the table so that there's no weird surprises or left turns. But yeah, do whatever you want. Change the game up. I'm just talking about the built-in baked system that is presented. You know, this, and that's, the, I think, arguably the most important part of this is that when you develop a system, most people are going to rules lawyer. They're going to look at the game and if, especially if they're new to it, they're going to say, okay, well, then it says this, so we have to do this. We have to do it this way. And if you're rules lawyering and you're, you're following the system like that, first of all, I don't think you're a very good role player that, if that's the case, but they do exist, and so you have to acknowledge it. Um, they set the expectation with the manuals. And if you set the expectation, then it's on the onus of the players in the DM to make the adjustments later. And then it's homebrew, and it's not official whatever official means because even official uh players uh, don't you know uh, the official um game developers don't even play the game that they're actually developing they play by their own custom rules there just has to be some sort of semblance of a established system so that you know they can sell books of course you customize everything you know change everything whatever uh you told your son you tried to re-roll a bad roll without the danger of uh character dying it's not fun yeah, and it's and it's not even necessarily dying, but failing in any given situation too. Um, and that's a very livable situation right now. You know, I mean, you can obviously fail any role, and the role playing repercussions of that can be magnificent and detrimental. And that's really important too. Um, so combat is just one aspect, but because it's Dungeons and Dragons, that's the one aspect that gets the most attention right or wrong that's just what DD has always been um you actually, let's see what else 5e really doesn't lend itself to dragon as well especially when watsi uh, wants to make sure that the previous material fits in somehow yeah 100 percent agree um the thing is is i can respect what they're trying to do 100 percent. i get what they're doing they want to create a unified uni multiverse which no matter what campaign world is you can just jump in and out of any campaign world and still play without any hindrance and everything it's for maximum fun. Okay. But instead of baking that into the rule set, how about you make that the homebrew option and leave the differentiating factors of each campaign universe intact so that they feel different? Because if you don't do that, and if you do it like you're doing it now, which of course they are, then there is no difference between Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, Eberron, and Dragonlance. If you can just interchange characters and abilities and classes with no changes at all, then there's literally no difference. And you have to homebrew the differences, which defeats the purpose of having campaign worlds in the first place. Like, if you really wanted campaign worlds, then you have to make them different. There has to be a reason to choose Ravenloft over Dragonlance or over Greyhawk or Forgotten Realms or Dark Sun or what, which is the next one coming or whatever. Like you, you literally have to make these choices. If you don't, then you've told the rest of the whole gaming community that they don't matter, that differences don't matter. You don't, you don't want to support differences. You want uh, homogeneity. 
And that's the worst possible thing that you could ever have. The glory of life, the glory of different fantasy worlds, is their differences. Lord of the Rings versus uh, um, uh, Game of Thrones. I mean, they're worlds apart in every single way. They're both fantasy and they both have strengths and weaknesses uh, from storytelling to, to character motivation to, to realizations on the big screen. Like, but they both have huge fan bases because of their differences and their different approaches to things and their different focuses on different aspects of that fantasy world. I mean, it's just, it's important to focus on those differences. And, and I, I came from a, a, a youth where you're not special unless you make yourself special. Those are the differences in people. If you excel at something, that's why you're special. You're not special just because you exist. You're special because you worked hard at something. That's what made you special. And nowadays, everyone's special. So no one's special. Everyone's the same. If you try to be different, you're shunned. You're canceled. If you have ideas that are not popular in the current culture, you're shunned. You're an outcast. Or you're that weird person from that outcast trying to shake their fist saying how bad the current culture is. All cultures change. It just happens naturally through the course of time. And I do think that we live in a better time now than we've ever have lived. And I believe in progressive ideals socially uh, 100%. I don't believe that everyone is special, and I certainly don't believe that every hero should be able to do anything they want. I believe in restrictions because those help carve out creativity, imagination, and individuality. And I think more than anything else, individuality is a virtue, and it's something that we should be promoting. And the only way to do that is to not live in a homogenous society where everyone is equal, everyone is the same. And I don't mean equal as in rights, don't be stupid. I mean equal as in ability, equal as an expression. But we're not, objectively we're not. And we shouldn't be in our, our games either. Like what makes your character special is the stuff that you put into that character. The differences that you focus on and highlight. The choices you make. That's what's special about it. I don't know. Like, I like to see stuff like that. I, I, I like to champion ideas like that. Um, you like the Inspiration Factor's award for outside-the-box thinking, although it forced your nine-year-old son's character to abandon his spells and throw rocks at people. Well, I wouldn't worry so much about that because he's nine. <laughs> He'll grow up. Stealing brand presence from an established IP is pretty much standard for modern creators. Yeah, you're right. I mean, arguably, it always has been, you know, going back to Gilgamesh, you know, with Sumerians. Um, off talk a bit. Sorry for interruption. Oh, you already did that. Uh, you feel past versions of the goal was making a great game. Fifth edition, the goal was clearly to appeal to as many different people as possible. Balance be damned. That's the thing is I think it's, it's so balanced that there's no need for imbalance. And the glory of previous editions was that there was imbalance. So you needed a rogue or you needed a fighter. Or you needed a major, a cleric. Now you don't necessarily need any of them. You know, get a little inspiration, get a little advantage, and you can do anything that anyone else can do. Um, all right, what else? 
Only Five E's main design themes is nothing is evil. They just misunderstood. Yeah, that's a little bit strange too, is that they did present alignments in uh, the player's handbook, but there was no, um, the only focus I saw on alignment was for paladins, who if they disobey the edicts of their god, all they have to do is repent. A very Catholicism approach to, to sinning, you know? Um, and that's always been the case. You know, you had to go on quests to redeem yourself in your God's eyes and stuff. So that's, that's nothing different. But it was, just, it was just the paladins, which I thought was strange because really it should be clerics too. Like you should really highlight and focus that, look, you need to live the ideals of the God that you're the patron of. Otherwise, they're not going to listen to your prayers. They're not going to grant you magic. And it just, it wasn't baked in. And so I'm a little bit like, you know, what, what's the, I don't, what's the point? Participation ribbons for all D&D players. Yay. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's how it is. You found green dragons especially useful for forcing halflings out of their burrows. <laughs> I don't know the reference. I don't, I don't know the reference on that. Let's see. Um, don't breathe noxious gas. Oh, yeah. You want to play Dwarf Fighter originally in Saga, but the rule constraints and card point you to create Anik the Kender, the future knight. Yeah, no, but that is real too. So just to sort of hammer this home even more, if, if you guys aren't sick of me already, um, the dice roll defined the type of character you could create. So it wasn't always up to the, the player. You could make a whole bunch of, roll up a whole bunch of different characters and then choose which one you played, of course. You just have this folio of characters so that if that character died, you pulled out your next character and you went along with the adventure. Um, you know, and the DM would find some, you know, ham-fisted way of having that character just show up in the right place at the right time. That's always been the game, though. You know, you, you die, you create a new character. What I liked about those versions where it was a little bit like chance is that it's a little bit like reality. You don't choose your parents. You don't choose where you're born. I, w I was born in America. Think about that for a second. You could be born anywhere. In the chaos of the universe, you could not be born or you could be born. And then if you are born, what era are you born in? The most like safe time in all of the universe is the era that we're living in right now as far as human culture goes and then you know where in the world are you going to be born well the most free arguably country in the most safe time what are the fucking chances what are the chances sorry with the f-bomb it's amazing that we all exist right now in this time in this moment it's amazing, but it's all chaos. It's all random happenstance. It's not, there's not a plan for it. It's just the universe, the chaos of the universe. It's brilliant, it's beautiful, it's amazing. That's how I like playing my role-playing characters. You know, you roll the dice, you find out what you are, and you play that class, you play that race, you play that, that character, and you own it, and you have a blast doing it. Like, I just, I don't like people who only play rogues or people who only play clerics or only play fighters. Like, stretch your legs. Variety's the spice of life, homie. Like, enjoy life. You know, it, test yourself. See how good you are as a player. That's what I like. I'm a dick, yeah. <laughs> it's not the first time I've heard it. 
let's see. Uh, Anik was way better than your general dwarf would have been rules equal creativity. Yeah. I mean, just in my profession, I'm an art director, a graphic designer. The restrictions that are placed on you by your client, by the industry, by the, the culture that you're trying to speak to, that helps you really craft original messaging. Whereas if you were just like given it, uh, do whatever you want, that, that's a lot more difficult to come up with like a, a meaningful campaign. But if you have restrictions, it helps you really fine tune those messages. That's what I like. <laughs> Chris. Hey, Jade, how you doing? You like some of the old rules when you'd uh, get negative modifiers based on your race and not just positives. Yeah, th that I 100% agree with you on that. Everything is positive. Like, what if, what if you do have a really low intelligence score? There should be a repercussion for that. Everyone should not be able to naturally, you know, as human, I know this is a fantasy world, it's not reality. I know that. But I'm just benchmarking these ideas in reality so that I can sort of contextualize my thoughts here. Um, not everyone can be Beethoven or Mozart. You just can't. Some people have the capacity. Some people do not. That's reality. That's the development of your brain based on the region and the genes and just random chaos of development. Human beings have different capacities. So you should have people who are worse at things than people who are better than things. But what you can't do is improve your stats so that you're the best at everything. And that's what fifth edition does. It just lets you continue to improve your stats. You just, oh, I'm going to put two more points in strength, two points in charisma. I had a facelift, apparently. It made myself look a lot better. You know, you just continue to improve your characters so that they're all the same across the board. Is that what we're really striving for? Uniformity? No. Rail against that. I want to be the best version of this. I don't want to be the best version of everything. You know? What's the point of that? Where's the fun in that? I've given you ideas about defensive thinking. All right, well, that's cool. Uh, surely you aren't suggesting that people have fun. <laughs> the truth is, is no matter what game system you're playing, you can make it fun. I'm playing Saga system. It's not the best system. It's, it's kind of frustrating in some cases. But it's kind of fun in other ways. And so you you focus on the fun, you know? For every job that must be done, there's an element of fun. <laughs> you find the fun and snap, the job's a game. Um, I, you know, just, I'm going to play this and I'm going to have a blast playing it. The rules are less important than the game, if you can separate that, that notion. Um, and so, yeah, I think this has a great start to it, uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. I think the Player's Handbook does a really wonderful job of articulating a lot of the things that it wants to focus on. I think the writing, the art, the art's okay. I prefer Advanced Dungeons & Dragons art like Elmore and Caldwell and stuff like that. Um, but the arts, you can't argue that it's not good. You know, the talented artists are creating this work and you have to, you know, give your hats off to them. The writing team does a good job. Um, everything seems logical, even though there are some points that, you know, just based on my experience, I didn't fully comprehend. But ultimately, it's not a system that's built for me, and I can accept that. And so I'll play it for the Dragonlance, and then I'll just leave it for everything else, and I'll go back to what I love. And that's what I think everyone should do. You know, instead of railing against a version 
ad nauseum. You know, I've been doing it for, oh, 50 minutes already? Wow. <laughs> for too long. Um, instead of railing against it, video after video after video online, just, you know, say your piece and then move on. You know, find something that brings you joy. I don't like the idea of wallowing in, in frustration and hatred for other people. I would rather focus on me and what brings me happiness. And I hope that people watching this feel the same way. Focus on what brings you happiness. And this particular system, uh, I'm sorry, the you know YouTube channel, it's Dragonlance. This brings me happiness. And so I'm going to talk about Dragonlance and whatever system I'm playing it in. And I'm going to try to highlight the, the best part of it. Because ultimately, that's what this is all about. Life is short. Life is really short. It could end with a meteor hitting me right now. And so why not enjoy the time you're here rather than being angry all the time and frustrated and ugh, no. Enjoy yourselves. All right. Oh, okay, Amber. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I understand. I am a dick too, though, just to be fair. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this review. Um, again, three out of five. Not bad. Not great. Not for me. And that's okay. That's my review. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Tomorrow, I'm running a, dra a holy cow, a Dragonlance Saga system game. This is part three of four. So if you've been tuning in for the first two, definitely check this out. It is going to be different though, and that'll make sense tomorrow. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, and remember, this is all about Dragonlance Saga. You know, celebrating the Dragonlance world. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Until next time. Slanjava.